Welcome to Prop Chat. We are here to talk about property, the ups, the downs, and how you can get started in property investing. And now, here's your host, Dave McGlashan. Hello and welcome to Prop Chats. I'm Dave Glashen, your host, and I'm sitting here with Mr. Robin Booth. How are you doing, Robin? Yeah, very good, thank you. Good, Robin. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate uh, it. It's a pleasure. Uh, I got you on here today because part of our normal segment is just meet the investor. So I want to get the audience to get to know you. Um, also bringing you on, of course, because you won the Investor of the Year Award, mm-hmm. which is good fun. Yep. That's really exciting. Yep. Good, thank you very much. <laughs> Congratulations. Yep. And since then, I think the world's taken off and you've you've gone far since we last spoke. So, So tell me right now what's happening in life. So, I mean, that's a really good question. For me, I think what happens in life now is a good reflection of what happens in the kind of intent that we put out there and what we want to do. Mm. I mean, and I'll always bring it back to property. You know, it's one thing just to say, oh, I want to use property. The other thing is actually to go and do something about it and take yeah. action, whether it's the research, whether it's the systems, whether it's finding the deals or finding people. So for me, it's really been focusing on that dynamic, really exploring what do I want out of life and yeah. how can I use property property to actually create that for me. So I'm really strong on creating the life that I love to live. So I've been doing a lot of traveling, a lot of different things. And of course, you know, seeing how to make property work for me instead of me always working for the property, right? Yeah. And I think that's a lot of people getting to that point when they start investing, they get so excited about the idea of becoming a property investor that they forget why they're doing it. Exactly. And you just end up working away. You're like, didn't I do this so I could be financially free and enjoy my life? Yeah. Good. So let's let's get into a few of the, the standard questions here. And I guess my, my first question is, what are you investing in from a property perspective and where are, where are you investing? So, I mean, again, that's such a great question. I've uh, found myself investing in commercial. So as mm. you probably know, I have land which I have a school on and we're yeah. currently actually developing that either into a shopping mall a shopping center or actually into apartment blocks. And that is something that's ongoing, that's in Cape Town. And I've also got just a standard residential where you're um, leasing out to tenants. We prefer foreigners because they have to pay everything up front, <laughs> which means I don't have the eviction problem. Um, and then of course we do Airbnb, short-term letting. And what I'm really passionate about, which is also why I'm here tonight with you guys, is because I just love student housing. Yeah. You know, we really feel we've cracked a lot of the difficulties of student housing and just the returns you get and the opportunities are incredible. So we're gonna chat about that tonight and definitely share that with all of you investors you know, who are coming at the network. Yeah. And then of course I also invest in you know, offshore in the US where we can get finance already in place and you know, really take advantage of those opportunities that are there. So that's, that's where I kind of you know, <laughs> not dabble a in. Answer. No, it's not. It never is, <laughs> it right? never is. Okay, so then let's, let's go through your journey, right? And tell us about your first deal that you ever did. So I'm probably going to phrase it as the first deal is more the one where I kind of sat back and realized that I was actually a property investor. It mm. wasn't my intention to do that way. And that was, as I had shared a bit about, you know, the school environment. I was actually, well, I am a preschool teacher by profession, by degree, yeah. <laughs> one of um, the first male preschool teachers in South Africa. And I was really wanting to create my own school. So to do that, I had to have land. So I had to buy land, find land, and of course then run my school on it. And from that perspective, the, the challenge was is, you know, I had to run the business of school to pay the land yeah. until I sold my school and then a new school came over and actually rented the land from me. And suddenly the light bulb went on, right? It's like, hang on, this is much better. I don't have to work so hard every day just to get parents in and to pay their school fees, to pay the, the, the rent and the bond, I could actually just sit back and they could do it. So that's mm. when I really realized property is a great tool to generate income, to 
to get the tenant to pay the expenses and actually create that kind of wealth. Yeah. And from there then, it really got me into thinking, where else could I use this? And then that really happened. So from, my, from this perspective, back there when I bought the land in 2004, that for me has been, uh, I would probably say my first like conscious, mm. wow, I'm actually a property investor. Yeah. And I think it also falls into that sort of field of house hacking, really. You didn't really go in with your primary intention being property investing, but it solves it solved the problem you had, and that's then you realize there's the opportunities there. I think that's a lot of investors. We find ourselves there, we realize, hang on, this could work. And then, of course, we just upskill ourselves, and we realize, wow, we could actually turn this into a business, mm. not just a, you know, a haphazard passion. And I think that, for me, was a turning point, just saying, well, let me run numbers. Let me actually do my due diligence. Let me set it up correctly, do the leases correctly. And suddenly, it started generating into a business as opposed to something which is just, you know... A hobby. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, which, yeah. which we don't want. And then if you, get, if you do apply it like you would a hobby then you get similar results yeah, you're going to get average results yeah, and that's right. never going to work for me especially in property yes. <laughs> average results in kept in south african property just doesn't make you money so so tell me about your best deal whatever you metric as best is up to you maybe it's the deal that made you the most money maybe it's the deal you enjoyed the most tell me about it so um i'm going to come back down to student housing because you know there was a one of my coaches many many years back said to me every six months i need to bring a new product to market now, at that point, it doesn't really matter what the product is in my business, whether it was online courses, it was education um, seminars, whether mm. it was, didn't matter. But, you know, I already had residential, I already had some commercial, I already had overseas. And I was like, what else can I do? So I said, okay, well, let me look at this thing called student housing. Yeah. It seems to be such a growing market. There's a whole lot there. It will be exciting. And of course, everyone, everyone was saying that you're crazy. Student housing is just not going to work. You know, the <laughs> risks, the damage, the students are crazy. Yeah. So we we had a deal where we bought something uh, that was from a deceased estate, and you know it took a year and a half to transfer. But what was mm. actually really great about it is we took occupation, basically after three months. So we actually had it for a year at negligible lease, negligible rent we're paying, but we actually started generating a lot of money from actually the students living in there. Yeah. And I think why it's my favorite is because it's one that gave me the biggest learning in a whole lot of different areas. You know, we had actually given it to an agent to lease out and to get the, the students, and that was just a big mistake. They didn't know what they're doing, and students are different. It's a different tenant yeah. than a standard residential lease. So I took it back, figured out the systems, figured out how to manage the students, which has now created a whole lot of opportunities for me. Yeah. And from that perspective, you know, for 1.2 million rand rent-ready house, not just transfer, rent-ready, we redid everything, mm. we're generating 24,000 rent. <laughs> I can't get that anywhere else. No. That's just incredible. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's and we kind of thought, oh, yeah. this must be the you know, needle in the haystack. But since then, you know, we've just seen opportunity after, after opportunity. And I'll yeah. tell you, like tonight in Durban, I have never seen more opportunities than here. It's incredible. No, Durban's, Durban's definitely been on the up and up. And I think you, you touched on something interesting there. You spoke, you spoke about there's a perception of risk in student accommodation yeah. because students are rowdy, difficult, yeah. messy creatures. But I guess for you and I know for me, my portfolio, it's quantifiable. As long as you can put a metric to it and say, look, I know the students are going to make a mess, so I've got a cleaner in there that's a thousand rand a month. I get, I know I'm going to have to add extra maintenance costs, so you yeah. can just manage it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So how else are you managing your risks with the student accommodation? So what I'm driving, I mean, what really passionates me, I mean, you mentioned about managing risk. So I also have rent guarantees in all of my mm. leases. I mean, that is significant because I yeah. found that often a student this is the first time they're leasing. And even though the parent is actually liable because they're under 21 and by law, then we have to have parents actually sign for the, for the surety of the lease, that we still realize that the students sometimes just say, you know, like I get a message, oh, I'm leaving today. 
I'm like, what do you mean you're leaving? No, I'm actually moving out. And you're like, well, you need to give me notice and a whole lot of other stuff. Sure, you can give me, but 21 days plus replacement and a whole lot of things. Yeah. And I realized that actually that's just stress that I want to alleviate. So we figured out how to get all those rental guarantees in place that actually give me three months rent guaranteed, even if someone does that. Yeah. And of course, just all those little things that are just you know, tools and techniques that we've learned over time that if properly applied, actually yeah. make it an easy model to follow. And that has been the biggest thing from, you know, from my side is actually how to mitigate that risk, where to put the, the money into a property. So for example, mm. the thing that we found with student housing, you've got to put most time and effort into is doors. <laughs> doors, door handles, and locks. Because students are always locking the bedroom doors. You've got a lot of students coming in and out of the front door. The wear and tear is so high on those elements, you make sure those are, you know, are, are in place. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, just the other stuff, which I'm going to share tonight, all those tricks and hacks, as you want to call it, that we've figured out. But yeah. um, definitely, that's, you know, it, it's all about, as you said, quantifiable, manage it, mm. and then reap the rewards. So I, I think I know what your answer is, because when we spoke last year at the Investor of the Year Awards, you had a deal where you were doing Airbnb for short term, oh, and then you did a longer term lender. Yeah. And obviously, most student accommodations ten month lease terms. Are you doing Airbnb on those down on those down months, or are you signing twelve month leases? Twelve month leases, and we are providing such a great experience that even if the students are not there, they will still pay because they want to make sure they can get it the next year as well. Yeah. So that is one of the concerns, right? Everyone says, "Oh, it's ten months, February to November." Or yeah. And we're like, no, 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 it'll be for the full 12 months because they, we're providing such a great service for them that they don't want to lose the chance that they're going to lose it because they have to reapply. So yeah. definitely not. But I mean, let's just explore that. If you want to do Airbnb just for those two months, hmm. you're going to have to now furnish it more than you do just yeah. for a student housing. It just doesn't make sense. You're going to only have reviews for two, for two months as opposed to the full year. That it's just it's not worth it. I people say they do that. You know, I've heard landlords say, "Yeah, we do this," and then two months we do backpacking and all that. And I'm like, "Yeah, show me." I don't believe that's really yeah. the case because just for two months is not worth changing the whole inside and doing a whole lot of other things. And this it's part of an organisation that does that. But mm. the average mom and pop kind of landlord out there, they I don't don't think they do that. Yeah. At least not very successfully. That's just to scrape as much cash as they can, not as a solid business. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, because I I've I realised that it wasn't achievable sort of the hard way um, between refurnishing and dressing and all the other exactly. things you have to go to. You've got to store the furniture somewhere so now you've got to store it for 10 months. Yeah. <laughs> Just as, as yeah. not what I do. Yeah. So I've sort of ended up doing corporate lets for the two months which yeah. also works. <laughs> Same thing. As long as there's people in the building that's that's sort of the metric for me. So so talk to me about some of the other sort of deals you're looking at at the moment. Sort of what, what deal are you f did you find challenged you the most in your career? So I'm actually going to come back down to the school property because mm. what's actually challenged me about all deals is the belief that our legal system is just and fair as if it could be objective so yeah. i've ended up uh you know i don't want to say taking tenants to court because it's not quite how i work but thinking that oh well my lease says this you've broken it so we have to go because that's the route you go the legal option and i found that even though i've won all my legal cases I've still come out the loser. It's time, it's energy. You've got to pay legal fees. It's not what I've enjoyed. And if there's one thing yeah. that I've learned the most is make sure you never get into court in the first place. I yeah. do everything I can to, to make sure that the tenant feels I'm on their side, even yeah. if they need to be evicted. 
because going the legal route hasn't been the answer for me. And I think that's more mm. the one that I found most challenging is it was a two and a half year process. All I wanted was the defaulting of the lease, which was 150,000, but it cost me 350,000 in legal fees yeah. and two weeks of my time in court. And you know, even though it lasted three years, that's just, you know, yeah, and lost that, revenue and yeah. It's all a, that, it's just not, that's not right. So that's my biggest learning and was the mm. most challenging. It's just realizing I've got to actually be a professional investor with my, my investment as my, like my client. That is my client and get, make yeah. sure I'm managing that and not relying on someone else to be, do justice. And I think it's a very valuable thing to do. I know I do it a lot with my multi-tenants in the UK. It's, yeah. it's, I, I make sure I'm accessible to them. I make sure they hold each other accountable. And if you have those open lines of communi- communication, when something goes wrong, it's easy to have that conversation yeah. with them. And then it's like you say, if you can solve the problems, you can help them come to a solution. You might pay six grand to help them move. It's exactly. far better than losing rent for three months. Yeah, 100%. And even then, I mean, like I also shared tonight, you know, we send out surveys every month to all of our student housing you know, units because we want their feedback. We want to know what's work, not, what is working, what's not working, what can we improve on. And we found that just by keeping that communication, even though I want to say it's formal, but it just keeps that going. We actually find we're getting huge returns back in the trust and actually them respecting us in that, as opposed to getting to a crisis and then you do crisis management. We just don't even get there in the first place. Like you said, we want to sort it out way before then. Yeah, yeah. especially with students who aren't very likely to report the dripping tap or that sort of thing. Exactly. There's, there's minor things that if you talking to them and you can address it earlier, then you can avoid the big problems later. Yeah. Um, so, so let's speak to you about your, your day-to-day operations. What are, you, <laughs> what are you enjoying the most about what you do every day? So, you know, and if your guests could see me, they'd see that I have a big <laughs> grin in my face, right? Because yeah. for me, you know, the reason that I do property, besides it just being a fun, smart, and I love the, the intricacies of it, it really is there, so it helps me or supports me in creating the life that I love to live. Mm. So for me, um, back probably about 10 years ago, uh, I got really present to a genetic uh, disease, which is early onset Alzheimer's, that runs in my family. My dad died of it, his um, sisters, his mm. mom. And it kind of like hit me that I might only have 10 years left of like living to do. I'm like, I don't want to wait till I retire to start living my life. I actually want to start accessing it now. And that's been a strong drive. So I'm always about how do I create property so that it works for me to give me the life or help me to create the life that I love. So at this moment, you know, I just got back from a month in Bali. You know, I spent the whole of the December, January in Naisner with family. Um, in Mozambique next week. Then I'm in the States for a month, Canada later, back to Bali in May. I mean, yep. it really is giving me that opportunity to do those things that I love doing, which isn't just property, but, you know, experiencing things. I love my bucket list and ticking things off. <laughs> and that's what I am passionate about. Yeah. And of course, then solving problems in the property. I love cracking the code of what people are saying is challenging. And if I can automate it, so I'm all about automation, yes. which you probably figured out. If I can yeah. figure out how to manage <laughs> students without having to be there, I'm on that. You know, if I can do everything without having to be there, even better. And you know, yeah. you mentioned what else do I do? You know, I invest in the states. And people say to me, "Why do you invest in the states?" I know you invest in the UK as well. You know, why do you invest where you can't just drive to? And I said, <laughs> if I don't learn how to manage remotely. I'm always going to be a victim of my location. Yeah. And those skills have been absolutely essential, even in managing the property they own next door. Yes, you know? because it scales, right? It's, exactly. It's exactly. That's all. So that's what excites me about property. But then it also gives mm-hmm. me the total freedom to go and do what I really want to do and spend the time the way I want to spend it. Yeah. And that, that is like my day-to-day in many ways. 
Yeah. And I guess part of also being able to spend the time you way the way you want to spend your time is outsourcing and automation. So what if what tasks in your investing business have you outsourced or given responsibility to someone else? Cool. So that's always a good question. And that will vary slightly according to the kinds of property that we're investing in. So in mm. the US, that's a standard three bed, two bath, you know, bread and butter home in the US. Yeah. We will also probably like a lot of investors found out who are the property managing agencies that we can trust. Yeah. So we only buy property where a certain property management company will manage. Yeah. So I'm not interested in anywhere else except where they manage because I know that they are managed by systems mm. regardless of whether that property manager leaves the company or not. I know it's going to be managed efficiently and effectively. So that, those are the kind of things. Here in our student housing, I have a different model, which is first and foremost, I find someone in the neighborhood who is going to be my point of contact because they are then actually going to become the property manager. But all I'm really wanting them to do is to like open up a house, show a room. I mean, we calculated that you're needing to show a student or at least six students, six to ten students per lease that you're actually signing because they want to come look and then they go somewhere else. And then so if you've got a home come look of <laughs> ten students, that's 60 viewings. Mm. If you have a normal property uh, estate agent doing they're that, gonna they're going to charge you a fortune. So you want someone who is close by who can just open, close, and do all those kinds of things. So first and foremost, we outsource all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Then around, you know, people say you should have your um, all your handy services, you know, your plumbers and electricians. We find as well, with all the, the advent of the apps nowadays, you can actually, like on demand, you yep. can actually say, I need an electrician in 30 minutes right now, <laughs> and I don't have loyalty to anyone. It just is like Uber. You know, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't need to know the driver. I just need to know, I need someone, can they come do it now? Yeah. And that has really helped significantly in managing those kind of day-to-day -day tasks. And of course, then all the financials, you know, that's all outsourced and done now yep. digitally. So, yeah, you know, so again, you're not paying an estate agent 15 to 20% of your rental income to sort that out. No. And of course, tonight I'm going to show you some other stuff which <laughs> on our cell phone apps uh, just creates such easy communication that have totally revolutionized you know, the, the whole student housing for yeah. me. No, at the same time for me, it's uh, all of my communal houses in the UK, there's a WhatsApp group and all the all my tenants on the WhatsApp group and they hold each other accountable. And I got to the point where I got my tenants to do tenant interviews. Because at the end of the day, they have to live They're with the person. Mates. Exactly, <laughs> right? So, like, you can choose this person. If you don't like them, yeah. don't say no. <laughs> like, yeah. This is up to you, <laughs> which is a really fun little twist to it. Yeah. And I, I, like, I like what you're saying about you must put these systems in place and the process and the outsourcing in place, even if it's the house next door, right? 100%. Because if you want to get, become the investor who owns 500 properties, it doesn't matter where they're held. You have to have those systems in place. Because you're going to hit a point where even if they're all in your back back door, it's, it's, you still have time. That's your limiting factor. So yeah. if you can get the systems to get your time out of it, then you can scale. And I think the challenge is there. I mean, you know, I've done a lot of research online around black student management programs. They kind of like are starting where you've got either 50 or 100 units. You know, mm. there's nothing of this in between where it's like a... a, a a property investor who maybe only has five or ten. It's like you've, you're either nothing or you're a bigger player. Yeah. And that market is not there. And South Africa is ripe of that because we've got so many of that intermediary small-scale investors that aren't going and building three-story, you know, 500-unit um, you know, yeah. apartments. I'm working and on it. <laughs> it's that, I mean, I love it because that means that's my market. Yeah. I can dominate and take that. But then where do they go? And that's what I feel we've really you know, untapped or unlocked. Yeah, 100%. So I think I just want to wrap, and one of my questions I'd like to close off with is, what is your one fundamental belief you wish you could share with the world? So for me, property investing is 
and I know we've been talking about systems, so this sounds like a contradictory thing, is really a relationship game. Mm. It's my ability to connect with, with people who are selling homes and therefore actually make them want me to buy it for, from them. It's about the managing agents who will go out and find the deals for me so I don't have to do it myself. It's about having good relationships with the tenants so that actually it all is working smoothly. It's about managing the students in our student houses so that that also works well. Mm. And it's like managing relationships like with you and Sappen and all the other investor networks because yeah. then I get to hang out with you and next thing we know, we might be doing deals or coming across other things. So it's about relationships. Yeah. It's not just numbers. Even though I'd love it just to be about numbers because <laughs> in effect it can look that way, but I've realized it's a bit more than that. And, and I, that's, I think, you know, if you just think it's numbers, I'm not sure you're going to get quite where you want to get to because relationships open doors and that's what I've learned most. And especially like, you know, all these things we've been chatting about, it comes back down to relationships. I mean, we're sitting here chatting, sharing. Yeah. You know, people who are going to be listening are going to be getting information because of relationships. Yeah. Awesome. Brilliant. Good, man. Thank you so much, Rob. You're very really welcome. Appreciate it. Good. Cool. Cheers. Thank you for joining us on Prop Chat, brought to you by SA Property Investors Network. Make sure you visit their website, www.sapropertynetwork.com, where you will find ebooks, webinars, newsletters, training videos, property assessment tools, event tickets, and much more. Hit subscribe in your podcast app so you'll never miss a show. SA Property Investors Network, a place where property investors meet. Connect today. Expand tomorrow.